Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. advice from old pro turkey hunters like this the turkeys typically don't like i think more times than not to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning especially after he gets up it's a blinding thing it, it it's just like you it's hard for you to see into the sun mm-hmm. so if i have a choice i'm going to try to make it so that i'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 457, The Man Who Hunted Men, part dose, and I am your co-host, and the guy who has temporarily put down the axe and started giving swimming lessons again and i'm your co-host and the guy who finished another classic turkey book what'd you read i read the book by the colonel the colonel himself one this would be tales of wild turkey hunting by simon everett the colonel simon everett it is one of the old masters books reprinted. Okay. So you've got the Great American Wild Turkey, you've got Hunting the Wild Turkey, and then this one. So those are kind of the three in the canon of old turkey books. This one is based out of South Carolina. Simon Everett basically hunting them year round 
it seemed like i mean mostly it's funny like they would stop in february because it you know then it wasn't sporting so <laughs> hmm. okay. but the rest of the year they rock them out of trees and shoot them over bait and didn't think anything about it well so it's it was really, a meal back then and they couldn't a lot of times couldn't get one anywhere else yeah it just is a you know it's very interesting when you read the older books like the I guess how the hunting morals have changed and like what they thought was wrong is now like the most popular sport. And, you know, but what they did was what we, a lot of people now would consider wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. It's just intriguing, but it also is full of good information and really cool history of the sport. And we may cycle back to that. We'll see. I mean, there probably won't be any fall seasons left open, so probably not. (laughs) <laughs> well, when there's no turkeys left, maybe we'll cycle back to fall. Yeah, maybe so. It, Once the populations do make a comeback. Yeah, so. it is. It is interesting, but it's a cool book. I, I would recommend it just from a historical concept of turkey hunting. Really cool how good woodsmanship was back in those days compared to now. I mean, the guy's first turkey that he killed he was in the woods and scattered a flock by accident i guess probably some of the first turkeys he'd ever seen because they you know weren't very prevalent Mm -hmm. and he had i guess seen someone else do this but he instinctively went and found a piece of cane cut it into three pieces and fashioned a turkey call and this is a guy that's never killed a turkey and then proceeded to yelp up and kill his first turkey with a call he sat there and made after busting the flock pretty cool pretty cool and just you could just tell when you read it like these guys just lived in the woods lived breathed it and it was you know it truly was meals for the family so it's very important to them yeah so so you are off the coons and onto the chipmunks is the andy galliano interpretation of putting down the axe and going to the swimming lessons True. And I had a first ever in my entire trapping career. All right. Caught a albino chipmunk. I caught a house mouse. Okay. Man, I'm surprised that would trick the trap. Yeah. I kind of, you know, when I saw the thing in there, I thought that joker must have been working out. You know, to get up underneath the tray that the seeds are on and be like, you know, bench pressing the the tray or something (laughs) to get it to trip. I mean, I don't know. Bench pressing the tray. (laughs) But something, I don't, I, I will say this. Whatever it was that caused him to trip the door and trigger the trap so that the door would fall, I'm glad because I don't want him in my house and yeah, the trap absolutely. was set very close to my house. So yeah, we're good. I don't know. I, you know, and I'm not bothered to look online, but maybe a mouse would share the same hole or den or tunnel as a chipmunk. Yeah, perhaps. And maybe the chipmunk got sick of him being in his hole and, while the mouse was in there, he reached inside and slapped that door down and said yeah. goodbye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like it. But Any of those could was, be very possible. I found out that mice 
are also poor swimmers. Yeah. Just like chipmunks. Absolutely. So I'm at three chipmunks and one mouse currently, and I'm sure those numbers will, well, hopefully the, the mouse numbers don't go up, but not because I care about saving them, but I hope that there's just not that many more mice around my house. And yeah. But the chipmunk number I know is going to go up because they're running rampant around yeah. the old hood right now. So Well, cool. We've got yeah. part two this week. I've already seen comments online. I posted this episode on social media to promote it a little bit because I figured some people might want to listen to this one. It's pretty cool and or at least part one I did, and and seems like folks are enjoying part one of our R.T. Stewart interview. Yeah, I had a buddy of mine stop me yesterday, and he said, hey, I haven't listened, but I saw the title, and I'm not going to ask you about the show, but the title, The Man Who Hunted Men? <laughs> so what? And then I looked at him, and he goes, oh, yeah, I said I wasn't going to ask you. I'm just going to have <laughs> to listen to it. I said, you're going to have to listen to it. It's it's really good. Yeah. And it yeah, is. I've sent it to some people and I'm like, I know you don't listen to every episode we do, but this one, you know, I know it's not turkey season, but this one's worth listening to. Yeah. For sure. And yeah. anyway, great reviews on it. Part one was awesome. We got to hear most of the story in part two now. We're going to hear kind of how things wrap up on Redbud, the courtroom scene. And then get a lot more stories out of RT. Probably one of my favorites is how he managed to get out of some some love interests. Crazy. <laughs> and, and it just gets he's a he's a funny dude. You can just tell he thinks on his feet and comes up with some stuff pretty quick. He was he was good at lying, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be skeptical, you know, if he was my, if I knew him really well, like whatever he told me, I'd be like, man, he's just real. Like (laughs) this guy's too good at this. But anyway, it's a great episode. We got part two. It's about 45 minutes long too. It's another great episode with him. And it does kind of end abruptly because we just kind of kept talking, but there wasn't much more that y'all needed to hear. So we just kind of ended it. And yeah. That's where we'll pick back up. But before we hop into this week's show, we got a big reminder from last week. We made the big announcement about our raffle. And I just want to encourage people and remind y'all that we are doing a raffle for two people. So there's going to be two people drawn. You get two chances at it to go on a Texas Rio Grande turkey hunt with Andy and myself this February going to be february 21st is our departure date i believe and we will hunt that's that's our first hunt day okay so we'll we will arrive on the 20th and then we will hunt the 21st 22nd and half a day on the 23rd and return home so you'll get to hunt rio grande turkeys before hawaii opens before florida opens before anywhere else in the united states is hunting spring turkeys including the youth and you'll get to hang out with Andy and I in camp. It's going to be with L. You'll have L. You're going to have to pronounce it, Andy. How do you do oh, it again? Come on, Cameron. You can do this. <laughs> I didn't take enough Espanol in, in high school, apparently. <laughs> El Mapache Blanco. El Mapache Blanco Outfitters is who this is with. It's a late February turkey hunt. 
They've had great success, 100% for seven years. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, but I'd say the odds are, are looking good. So there'll and be four of four of us on the hunt. We get two gobblers each. The opportunity to harvest two each. That's strong. Yes, it is. So the way you can go and participate in that raffle is look in the description of this show. Andy's going to put the URL for you right there. Or do you want to give them the URL in case they want to type it in? Yes. The URL is tinyurl.com slash 55HEEU99. Boom. And that is in the notes below this episode. Or if you follow us on social media, you can find it there. Yeah, and I'm going to put, now this is going to be hard to do if you're on your phone, but if you have a laptop or a tablet around and your phone is in your hand, I'll have the QR code in the show notes as well. Nice. Good deal. So go do that. We've only been right for a week as of right now. You still have very good odds of being drawn for one of those two slots. Very good especially if you buy one of the discounted multi-ticket packages. And best news of all, proceeds will be donated to Turkeys for Tomorrow and the National Wild Turkey Federation. This is what we're hoping to be a fundraiser for these great organizations. And we can only do that if you guys participate, help us out with this, and we actually make a profit. Because if we can't pay the guide, then we're not going to be able to pay our nonprofits that we're looking to donate to so we need y'all to participate in a big way we haven't previously ever really asked you to reach for the pocketbook for many things but we're asking now and you get a very good chance to go on a texas turkey hunt in late february so make sure you do that this is going to be a great time and while we cannot promise that you will harvest one or two Rio Grande turkeys, what we can promise is that you're going to have some laughs while you're hunting with me and hunting with Cameron. And so we're going to have a good time. I will 100% make sure of that. And absolutely wish you guys a lot of luck. Buy tickets early and buy them often. They go for a great cause. And if your name's drawn, we're going hunting. Absolutely. All your buddies have their bottom lips poked out. Yes. Most of y'all, most turkey owners I know put in for quota hunts, spend 15, 20, sometimes, you know, in Arizona's case, hundreds of dollars. And your odds are way less on those than this raffle. So (laughs) that is very true. You, you you spend 150 bucks on those and you got much better odds of drawing two gobblers in Texas with us. So anyway, go do that. We're hoping we can write a fat check to TFT and one to nwtf after this but that's only possible with y'all so go do that and why don't we hop in here and give y'all some more awesome content with rt stewart or is it bob thomas or is it bill tompkins who knows we'll have to listen and find out (laughs) see you guys on the other side you only killed the one turkey out of season and that you never had to they never questioned you again 
Well, we would figure out nights that they couldn't go, whatever it may be, and then we'd go and get a hold of one of our super. Well, we'd contact our supervisor, and he would put out that he needs a, a buck or a deer or something. So some of those counties had orchards and things of that nature. So they, the, the hunters, the landowners, would shoot these deer, and the officer or the agent in that county would go pick these deer up. We'd meet them someplace along the road someplace, throw two or three in the back of the truck. Uh-huh. We'd take the next day, or we'd take them back the next day or the same night. We had a place where we all skimped, and we called it the poaching pole. That's where we skid over poaching deer. They weren't able to go with us, but we'd show up with us the next morning, and we'd have two or three dead deer in the truck or in the van. Mm-hmm. They thought we were killing deer right along with them, but in, uh, in reality, we weren't. Wow. That's pretty smart. Uh, it kind of amazes me that you were there for a year and a half or so and only had to shoot one and on accident killed one animal out of season and you maintained credibility with these guys yep yep i look back at it now like how'd i do this you know <laughs> and another thing when i if i came home a couple of times my, my you know my friends that i grew up with they might have killed a turkey so they'd let me take it back with me and i'd skin it for them you know not tell my postage, you know, or whatever. And yeah. Things of that nature. So I always, had, I was always producing animals that they thought I was killing illegally, but they were not killed illegally. Yeah. And then they were fine with taking you along with them to yep. watch them do things. Yep. Wow. And then how I started getting them to video some of it openly was that I would have a video camera. We finally ended up getting a small camera that took video. I would let them hold the camera video me uh narrating or whatever it may be and then they would get confident and they'd say you're video me you know so <laughs> one day we got we killed two two jakes i think it was and he's narrating about how we called him in and so forth and then he says let's get out of here before the game warden comes <laughs> 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 i thought yeah buddy if you only knew <laughs> <laughs> he, he is here yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been here for a while. <laughs> so, wow. You're, you were filming the, at the time that Will Primos is filming the truth videos, you're filming the real truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The raw truth. truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. that's crazy. Very good point, yeah. <laughs> and having them want to be on film, like, so you weren't even, towards the end, you're not even having to use the, camera in your vest you could just video them outright and they were happy absolutely with it. yep and it all started with them letting them hold the camera and videoing me so wow they got the you know they thought well i want to get in on this you know so that's that's exactly what i want yeah, yeah. that's perfect because you're saying they a lot of them did it for pride and yep. the boast and so i mean putting them on camera I had to really fuel that ego and then I would tell them, and I said, I'll, I'll make you a copy, which I never did. <laughs> I said, I'll make you a copy. <laughs> yeah, they got to see him in court. Yeah, yeah. I bet they, bet they got to see him real good. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was court day. We had 26 individuals in court one day, and we had one at a jury trial. All of them were in court behind their one of their guys that, Pled not guilty until it went to a jury trial. Wow. Yeah. And they all got to see all the video that we had on that individual. And once they found, the jury found him guilty, 
the next day all of their attorneys wanted to work out a deal. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So what, I guess walk me through that. So they, your supervisors say, hey, you've got more than enough evidence. It's time to bring it down. And they, I mean, at that point, I assume you are moved out far away from there before they actually send the agents in. No. Oh, okay. Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty, that's a pretty good little story is we were there, we were drinking alcohol with them the night before we took them down the next day. Wow. Hmm. And when we knew that... Did you know it was coming? Pardon? You knew it was happening the next day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'd had everything lined up, ready to go, and we were supposed to go frog gigging with Claude on Thursday. And uh, the uh, what happened was at 7:30 a.m. Uh, they served search warrants on like, well, they arrested 26 individuals. I don't know how many search warrants all simultaneously. And when we left our cabin that morning, or our trailer was renting, when we left that that morning, we never went back. But they had the. Uh, People from the Wolf Creek Wildlife Area come in and took all of our furniture out. Mm. So the only time I ever saw those guys again was those particular individuals was the day we had jury, jury, uh, trial, trial date. I was on yeah. the witness stand for eight hours. Yeah. Yep. So, but it was only one guy was kind of like, he tried to take y'all to court over it. Yeah, all of them pled not guilty, but this one individual pled not guilty and demanded a jury trial. So... None of the others would, you know, try to make a deal or anything because they wanted to see what the peers of their community would do to this guy who was a well-known person in the community. And Okay. Wow. They thought if he gets off, we're going to go for a jury trial too, see? Well, the yeah. liberator less than a half an hour found him guilty on all charges. <laughs> and that, that cured them of that thought. That's correct. The next day, their attorneys was wanting to make a deal. Wow. That nobody they, else went to court. They thought they were, uh, I mean, I, I know it's hard to get inside their heads, but they really thought they would get off with all the video evidence that, that you had? Well, or they, obviously they didn't know we had all this evidence. Now they okay. were allowed to file a motion for discovery. And, and the, our agent that was you know, my supervisor, we would not let them keep those videotapes. We would let them, the attorney, see them, in our, in, in, but we controlled them. Sure. Mm. But we didn't want them making copies of it and all that kind of stuff. So once they're, once that guy's jury trial and he was found guilty, they wanted to see some of this evidence, which they did, and that's when they decided, uh, we, you, you know, we gotta, we gotta make a plea deal here of some sort because you ain't got a chance. Yeah. What, the guy who did do the jury trial, you were on the stand for eight hours, you said, I mean, what were, with, his, what was what were his lawyers trying to do with you? Did they, they were trying to discredit me. They were trying to find me in a lie of some nature mm. to discredit me. That was basically their only defense. They couldn't use entrapment because we'd already predisposed them. And a lot of them would show us pictures or different things that uh, proved that they would create, create violations without me being present. Therefore, they were predisposed on entrapment. And... He would ask me questions. You ever, you ever buy my client alcohol? Yeah. <laughs> Why did you buy my client alcohol? I said, well, it's my turn, my turn to buy. <laughs> and uh, I look at some of them guys on the jury trailer going, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. He <laughs> 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 said, have you ever smoked dope with my client? I said, well, yeah. 
I said, my client was, uh, or your client was, uh, was putting up drywall and was uh, helping him, and they all broke out some marijuana and started smoking it, and they passed it around to me, and I put it up there and acted like they inhaled it and passed it on. So their, their attorney said, oh, so you're like Bill Clinton. You you smoked it, but you didn't inhale it. And I said, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that works for him. Yeah. And he said, would you driving home from uh, the WW Tavern, which was the name of the tavern, would you, if you'd got picked up a state trooper or something, would you have tested DUI? I said, I probably would have. He said, well, how, many, how, how much beer would you drink there? And I said, well different times or different nights but i said i would drink several and they said what's your definition of several i said six or more so they could not prove i did not lie in any manner right yeah and if had i had a total lie you know they had 26 individuals they were ready to testify that that no no he smoked dope or no he you know he he was drunk when he left the bar and you know different things so truth always best to tell wow. yeah what were the 26 guys, I mean, were they just sitting there looking at you? Yep. they All 26 of them were sitting there behind him and watching the trial. One side of the courtroom was all the outlaws. And on the other side of the courtroom was all the game wardens. <laughs> I remember I'd clean shaved. I was a, a pretty rough-looking catbird. And uh, <laughs> I'd clean shaved and in a suit and tie. I remember walking by the, the client and his attorney... He said, when they called me up to the stand, I walked by him and he said, I heard him say, is that him? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so they weren't even, he had seen me cleaned up. Yeah. Uh, what? So you were there for that long of a period of time and you melded into that community. What was your, I guess, quote unquote, nine to five? I was, I was in a coal mine and I was uh, injured in a coal mine. Okay. And I had uh, papers from a compensation attorney, a true compensation attorney, and I would leave them laying around and tell how much money I got. And then mm-hmm. when they were all around in my house, I left them out so them guys would read them. And how I know that they would read them was we had video camera in the, the house, and when everybody would leave, I'd review them, and they'd pick them up and look at them and pass them around. Wow. That is smart. So that was how I – and I did have – I did work the coal mine, and I was injured. So whenever they asked me about it, I was able to tell them about the injury and no fabrication. Yeah. Well, you, I assume, did fabricate one thing because I remember reading that I think you had a couple encounters where a guy tried to set you up with his sister, and then <laughs> you, had a, <laughs> you had a guy. What? What, he tried to set me up with his sister? Yeah, wasn't that one guy? And then you also had somebody's wife tried to get with you at one point. Yeah, we ain't gonna do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you had to fabricate. You had to fabricate a story as to why you weren't interested. <laughs> yeah, you want me to tell that? Yeah, I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear <laughs> oh, that because so, I mean, what a corner you probably did not see yourself getting into with these investigations. Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, you can't predict what's going to, you cannot predict what's going to happen. So you just got to, <laughs> you just got to be quick on your feet. Well, this old boy here, he'd been trying to fix me up on his sister. Now, keep in mind, I was married. Yeah. And I never messed around with my wife at any time. But, you know, I was trained to be single. So, you know, not only did I had an obligation to my wife, you know, I still didn't want to get hooked up with his sister. And, you know, that <laughs> jeopardizes the case. So 
sitting there at the bar. He says, I'm gonna, oh, my sister's coming in this weekend, and I've been telling her all about you, and she wants to meet you this weekend. I'm going, holy <laughs> So we're sitting there, and uh, I've become a pretty good actor. And I said, and his name was Leonard. And I said, Leonard, and I put my arm around him, and I put my head down on his, got him on his, my forehead down on his shoulder. I said, buddy, I said, I'm going to tell you something. He goes, what? You what? And I said, you know, I like to talk about running around these women and everything, but I said, you remember me having my accident? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, not more did they. I had a little more happen than just my hip and my shoulders and my back. He said, what? I said, well, I lost my, you know, my my uh, privates got crushed and I uh, can't have sex. <laughs> <laughs> he said, what? And that ended it right there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could have changed. I could have put some different words in there. But I thought I'd dress it up a little bit, but uh, he never quit. And I always thought that if I said I had, you know, if you got a scar in an operation or something, and you're in a in hunting camp, which I'm sure you have been, and next thing you know, some guys running around these boxers or whatever. And not one time did they ever ask me to see, uh, to drop my pants to see. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that ended the call. That ended it. Never did have to meet her. <laughs> so, where I come with that up at, I have no idea. Oh my goodness! But it works. Well, I—I I mean, I think if you—if I was trying to set you up with my sister and you had said that, I'd been like, "All right, I found the perfect man for my sister." <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I would say then. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that would—I would have had to come back with something. I don't know what I'd come back with, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah. If this wasn't a podcast, I could say a lot of things. I would have probably come back with them. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just keep it family oriented. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. But so Operation Redbud went down. That was the biggest at the time, the biggest turkey poaching ring ever, right? That's my understanding. As a matter of fact, we had, I can't think of his name. He, he was an editor of. Turkey Magazine with the National Wild Turkey Federation. He came up here and went with our agents on the search warrant. And at that time, they claimed that that's the largest turkey poaching operation in the United States. Wow. And he went along with our search warrant people and took videos and different things. Wow. So they informed him what was going down before that actually happened? Correct. Wow. They, took, they informed him. He was with the... Uh, our law enforcement supervisor, and he kept him under wraps all night long, so he had no way of telling nobody nothing. I'll tell you another little event that happened during that scenario, during that, was we, these guys, two guys, these two guys that I was kind of feared, had come into that bar, and they were talking about they had just got meat back from the local buddy down there had a meat processing mm. store. They'd shot a deer a couple nights before. So we got to talking, and the next thing you know, they're showing us this deer, well, the next night we're in, that's when we want to go out. They wanted to go shoot deer. So I said, well, I'll drive. Away we go. And we go out and shoot. And uh, so the next night we come back in the bar. These guys are questioning us that division or that ODNR is investigating them. And mm. I'm going like, what? You know, well, come to find out where our radio room is at that particular time. All they had, it was in a room and it had just walls that divided. He didn't have his all big one room, but they had 
Division of Wildlife, um, State Highway Patrol, uh, Division of uh, Transportation, all in one room with just dividers. Yeah. So we contacted our supervisor, and he contacts the uh, radio room, and then they do radio checks on these guys or background checks on these guys. We'll come to find out the guy sitting over in the Department of Transportation, he's friends with these guys. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So they, he overhears this, and he calls and tells them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So now we're trying to figure out. So they're questioning us that the only people they knew that they'd been out shooting with was us. Now the ODNR is investigating them. <laughs> that one was a hard one to convince. But, you know, we, this is, you know, I don't know what the story give, but obviously it worked. But uh, <laughs> that's how close things, that's how close we just about got caught right there, too. Wow. So they documented all that information and then went back and done some type of internal investigation and discovered who the guy was that divulged that information. Now, what transpired there, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you had a lot of times where, I guess you had some bad luck and good luck. You know, the guy in the yep. bar that vouched for your credibility, just that was happenstance. And then yep. Yep. these other things... You want to hear the one of the worst ones? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was during Operation Clanbake, and it involved a bunch of guys that was from Toledo, Ohio, but they were coming down here in southeast Ohio, and there was a group of guys that was down here in southeast Ohio that were just as bad. So we tried to incorporate getting these two groups together. So uh, that's basically we rented a cabin right above where the local guys lived there in, in uh, Laurelville, Ohio. And at that particular time, the only way we could contact our supervisors was by telephone, uh, a payphone down there in the local town. So we'd go down there and we'd call our supervisor and give him updates on what's going on. Well, we're supposed we're supposed to have these guys come in and uh, from Toledo to our little rundown shack, and uh, we're going to go kill deer. Well, my law enforcement supervisor for the state he calls me up and says, "Don't go back to the cabin." And we had a big event planned. And uh, well, I said, why? We mean don't go back. He said, I'm telling you, don't go back. I said, well, at least give me some information. I mean, you know, we got we had a good thing going. He said, all I can tell you is that there's other inve- other investigations going on. Or other agencies involved, and we ain't the top one. I went, why? Mm. Well, as it turned out, the FBI, wow, and BCI was investigating the sheriff department. Wow. Yep. They had, the sheriff had the local phone, the pay phone bugged. Oh my oh, gosh. Wow. Some of the local sheriff deputies was trading these outlaws rope killed deer slips for truckloads of firewood. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So the FBI contacted the attorney general. The attorney general contacted our law supervisor for the state of Ohio. He contacted us, and we we never went back. Wow! If these guys are out to kill you. If you go back, don't go back. You're you're. It's it's too dangerous. Had this guy not been in that agency working, who knows what the outcome could have been? Oh my gosh! Yeah, and that was that one. That one was a scary one. There, that one just goes to show you don't know who to trust or or, or anything of that nature. Yeah, I mean, my gosh. It, was that was was that your first operation? Yep, that was the very first one. Mm-hmm. 
I am. Yep. Trading roadkill deer slips for firewood. Yep. Which, back then, you could get roadkill slips, you know, for a deer gets hit yeah. on the highway, because you got to have some permit of some sort. Yeah. If you have deer in your possession, that proves that it was legally acquired. Yeah. Therefore, the roadkill slips covered the deer and the deer meat that they would have. Exactly. Yep. They were drilling and trading firewood, truckloads of firewood for those roadkill slips. Oh, my Man. God. With the with the sheriff deputies. With the sheriff deputies, correct. That is... Well, what's the exchange rate on that? Is it one-to-one or, you know... <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> just <laughs> asking for a friend. Well, I don't know. Probably back in, probably in two or three loads of firewood per deer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and with, with inflation these days, it's probably five yeah. or six loads of firewood. Yeah. Yeah, I would have, you know, I would hope they got some kind of good deal, but uh, they, they they killed quite a few deer, but they always able to prove that they, you know, had some documentation that they had them legally. Yeah. I guess that's one of the ways they were getting them. So we moved out of that, we moved out of that cabin, but we got hooked back up with the boys from Toledo, which they knew nothing about that, and mm. we ended up going pretty good. Wow. What? But we abandoned that project in Laurelville, Ohio. Wow. To this day, these guys don't know who we were. Well, they probably knew who we were, but they didn't know. We never went back, so they never seen us again. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Hey, guys, I wanted to cut in right here and give a little warning. The next minute and a half is a question and answer that could be disturbing to some people. It involves some pretty egregious violence against animals, and you may not want to hear that. It is about a minute and a half so if you want to skip that question and answer just go a minute and a half further and you don't have to hear that but we're going to play it anyway but this is kind of some of the more violent things that rt said really bothered him on his cases so again skip ahead a minute and a half if you don't want to hear it was there ever a time with wildlife violations that were just so egregious that like it almost made you want to Stop it right then. I had a couple of cases like that, yes. Mm. One was in spring. Well, it was actually midsummer. We killed a couple of does, and they would open them does up, and the little fawns or little, you know, the babies would be inside them. Wow. And then another time was early fall. We killed, They killed one, killed the mom and the, and, the ba- and the fawn. Still had spots on it. It was, it was, we had it, we drove it up to the back of the vehicle, and, it was, you know, screaming and bawling and carrying on. And they took a tar out, R and out, and beat it in the head. And I'm like, uh, you know, it just, that, that got me. I just, I wanted to hang him. I wanted to shoot him right there, but, you know, cause I couldn't do that. But, you know, I mean, it just, yeah. they, they had no, they had no conscience. They had no conscience. That's all. That, that tore me up. It was basically that little, them little fawns falling out, you know, when you gutted them and, and then uh, knocking them in the head like that, that little fawn, that just was, that was bad. That's awful. You know, that is uh, awful. I've been around a lot of things, but I don't like to see nothing suffer. And that really, that really bothered me. And that made me even more determined that I'm catching these people. Yeah. You know, so hmm. That same group, we uh, didn't get hooked back up with them until buzzloading season. And we went out, we were down here in Galpolis. And we uh, hunted the first day legal and done season. We didn't do any good. I think they killed a turkey. Then uh, the 
next two nights, we went out spotlight and killed 24 deer, I think it was. Good. And we butchered and processed every one of them in the motel room in the bathroom. Good wow. night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy, what did the hotel room look like? Was it just like a murder crime scene by the end of well, Yeah, and it was, to begin with, it wasn't a um, Hilton or a five-star motel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It had rat holes in the sides of the wall there that looked like my cat. It looked like a dog could fall crawl through. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, I never will forget they had a spigot. You know how you have a shower head coming out and you turn, the, you turn the shower on, but it didn't have no head on it. They had that spigot turned with no head on it on the hitting the wall, and that's how you got your shower with it. Hit the wall and sprayed back on you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It, it was rough. Uh, actually, I think the bed we slept on had cinder blocks under them for support. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was. It was not a. It's that that place is not here. It it was tore down not long after that. But I thought, man, <laughs> I would never want to stay. I would have never stayed there on my own. But oh my gosh, I bet you stayed in some rough places. Oh yeah, 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 mm. yeah. That is that is something, dude. I've had <laughs> I've had some time. I can tell you all kinds of stories, but we ain't got time for all of them. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. The I'm reading, so I actually have not finished the book yet. I'm very close. I I skipped around different ones, but I was reading through the duck hunting one right now. Yeah, and that one seemed unique in that those poachers were at least the head guy was like a wealthy, really wealthy individual. Very wealthy, very wealthy. The, the duck hunters, duck hunters in general are a different breed. They are, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of those guys belong to some fancy duck clubs and, you know, and requires money or some type of clout to get into these, into these clubs. These guys were, these guys were well off. I will put it that yeah. way. They were well off. So I had to clean up on that one. Yeah. To shave and they, Fortunately, they wore cowboy boots and different things, and so they had endangered species cowboy boots and vests and things, so I had to fit in, so I contacted the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and they sent me multiple pairs of endangered species boots and hat bands and vests that matched their dress. I fit right in. <laughs> so you just invited I mean, me you're to like a party one night. And he didn't invite them. He didn't, uh, three of us sitting there. He invited me, but he didn't have, he invite them other two guys to come to a party. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was unusual. And I said, so I called him up later and I said, hey, I said, what's your favorite, your wife's favorite color? He said, no, I don't want you doing something to embarrass me. I said, I will not embarrass you. So he told me his color, or told me her color, so I went to the local flower shop and bought her a bunch of flowers of the color that she liked. So mm. when I finally made it to that house and that part of that night, I mean, man, I pulled up to this place and it was like pulling up to the penthouse mansion. I mean, it was, blew my mind. Mm. I go to the door and uh, somebody escorts me in. I asked for the lady in charge there. And there we were playing uh, Texas Hold'em. And I see him see me. And I walk up and present them flowers to her. And then he, we make contact. He gives me a thumbs up. I was in like Flint. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yeah, you get in, get in with the wife or girlfriend, you're in. Absolutely. You get them mad at you, you're done. Yeah. 
I, a lot uh, of times if I went to places, I would bring candy to the kids and, and you know, or uh, wine or something to the wife just to keep them in good grace with me. Yeah, smart. If you have a mad girlfriend or a mad wife that don't like you or don't want you around, they ain't going to let the husband or boyfriend do anything with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Mm-hmm. What was the verdict on that one? I have not finished it in the book, so I'd rather just ask you with the duck hunters because... Mostly they, they were baiting and shooting over the limit and stuff guilty. like that. Yep, they all pled guilty. More, I couldn't give you the exact amount or anything of that nature, but they all pled guilty. They didn't yeah. have to go to court when they seen all the evidence we had. They didn't. We didn't have to go to court. Out of all the people and projects I did, I only had to testify in court one time, and hmm. uh, that was the one I was telling you about. And I had of all the people and cases I was involved in, I had one hundred percent conviction. Wow. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, I bet. What was the steepest conviction that got dealt out? Like, what was the worst fine or, I mean, did some of these people have to literally do jail time? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Some of them had liens on their houses uh, until they paid their fines, and we confiscated up on Lake Erie. These guys were pretty well-to-do also, and we confiscated, uh, well, they thought it was just misdemeanors, but in from when we did clam bake, it, it got changed from uh, commercializing in wildlife from a misdemeanor to a felony. Yeah. They thought it was still just a misdemeanor until they found out it was felonies. And then they went, oh, my. Mm-hmm. So they got some pretty stiff fines. And then they got liens put on their houses. And some of them went to jail. And just, you know, depending on the individual, what level of participation they were involved in. Yeah. Did the... Duck, just as a, as a, I guess a whole, you know, not looking at any individual convictions, did the duck hunters get worse fines for their violations than, than the deer hunter I would say, and turkey hunters? I would say they probably got hit pretty hard because at that particular time they were all using Benelli Black Eagle twos, had a, had first class, you know, material or uh, hunting gear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Water folks. They lost all of it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, not counting their fines and things. So I think they probably got hit pretty hard. And uh, then was. Hambake, they went to jail. There's a couple of them spent, a couple of them spent uh, maybe a year. I'm not sure without looking. Yeah. yeah. At that time, were, I guess the ducks were, were still federally protected or, or, you know, maybe had federal game wardens yeah, well, we, watching those violations as well. Are, yeah, ducks are um, both state and federally protected. Well, regulated. Uh, yeah. Regulated, yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. Among and uh, we did not have a federal agent involved in that because uh, uh, internal reasons, that's all I can really say, is internal okay. reasons between the feds and us. We Sure. They weren't in the hierarchy. They were not really, they didn't get along too good. I'll put it that way. So sure. We okay. We did, we did all state stuff. Mm-hmm. Put them all the state. In wow. that particular club, that particular club, they had a, they had hats and, uh, it's called a DM, DMC. It still, it stood for Duck Murdering Club. <laughs> and there's only like six or seven members of that club. And, uh, 
only way you could be a member of that club was to, you know, obviously fit in with them and be accepted, but you had to commit commit a wildlife violation in front of at least two members of that club to be uh, considered a member and and, and uh, be rewarded a hat. Well, I've become a member. Wow. Indiana snow goose hunting, and I participated in shooting some geese out of the back of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That got me, uh, so they presented me, had a big ceremony and presented me with a hat. He said each guy had a nickname. And they said, what's your nickname? What do your nickname want to be? I said, Triple B, as in the steel shot Triple B. Well, mm-hmm. so they gave him a hat, had Triple B on the back of it. Well, a little humorous part here. There's a local bar down there that these Hispanics owned and run, run and different things of that nature. And if you rec- recall the movie Brokeback Mountain, <laughs> you ever heard that? Broke yeah, Back I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Well, Never seen it, but I've heard of it. Not me either, but I've heard about it. I don't want to see it. When I walk into this bar, and the bar owner shuts the music down and says, well, everybody here help me welcome Brokeback Bill. You <laughs> 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 dirty, you dirty dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my name was Bill on that, Triple B, you know, broke back Bill is what they started calling me. Oh, oh my uh, gosh. All, all timing. Mm. So do you still have that hat today? Yes, I do. All right. Yes, broke back Bill. Yep, broke back. Well, no, it's Triple B. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's Triple B. Not broke back Bill. <laughs> Cameron, I don't, I don't think you want to get RT mad at you. No, I don't. He might he might show up under a different name. That's right. That's right. I, yeah, I like a good I like a good prank, but uh, I normally get back when I get back. It's a little bit more than what you get. Yeah. Well, I'm also curious, just briefly, these things would just end. You know, like I mean, when they brought the bus down, it's over. How? I mean, and you've been living a, a undercover. Bill or Bob or whoever you were for a year or more. I mean, would it take you a while to transition back to home? Oh, it was, it was very difficult, extremely difficult. But at the same time, we were already had our feet dabbling in somewhere else. So I was, I normally went from one location to another rather quickly. Oh, wow. We normally had a, had something going dabbling somewhere else that as soon as we shut that down after a week or so, you know, R&R, I was right back at it somewhere else. Hmm. So you really wouldn't have to transition back? Nope, nope, never did. And when we, <clears throat> when we, had, when we become a full-time service unit or a full-time covert unit, that I was, I was assigned full-time to covert operations. So mm-hmm. I never did have to transition back into uniform or anything of that nature. Wow. As far as coming back home to your family for a brief time, at least, was it? Well, was that uh, by that time, uh, my wife had decided she didn't want no more of this, and we parted ways. So gotcha. That had to have been difficult, I'm sure. but It was difficult for me and my children, and uh, I'm trying to make that up to my children as, yeah. uh, since I've retired. Yeah. How old are they? One is 45 and one is 43. Huh. But they were, I 
failed to go to any of their events. I didn't go to their graduations. I didn't go to nothing in school because uh, you never know when somebody's going to be there. It might be basically graduations. You know, you never know who's related. And I always worked in the state of Ohio, and some of them wasn't that far away. Yeah. Uh, I didn't go to none of that. Never went to another sports game. Missed a lot of that growing up. Mm. I try to make up for those those, those uh, things that I missed. Sure. Wow. Yeah, you sacrificed a lot to catch those guys. I mean, you really did. Well, I <clears throat> thank you. I uh, took it very serious. I took my job very serious, and I didn't play at it. I become the character, and and my goal was to catch these people, and and, and I caught them. And when I caught them, they were convicted, and I felt real proud of my what I'd done. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Oh. Yeah. I mean, just hearing the sheer numbers of animals these people were taking out. I mean, you, the communities around where you busted these people, I would imagine the local hunters and stuff owe you a massive thanks because there's no well, telling. I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 would I appreciate that? Yes. But did I do it? I, I guess I never thought I was doing it for them. I think I was thinking, uh, I guess my thought process was, just get these guys stopped. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I guess in the long run, it was helping the the uh, local hunters and the true sportsmen. Yeah, right. No doubt it was. Give you one more example of about getting captured was it actually it was doing that duck process. Now, I, obviously, I, I have an I had everybody said I had an accent, so I just used that to my advantage and told them I'm always from West Virginia. Well, my uh, Son had the, uh, his wife gave birth to my grandson. Now, my name at that particular time was Bill Stone. So I told these guys that I was going back to West Virginia to visit my grandson in the hospital. They said, cool, you know, no problem. And, uh, which I did. So then I come back. One of the wives said, we seen your grandson. I said, what? He said, yeah, we looked him up. And I'm going, holy shit. It said uh, they found out the hospital he was in, and it said his his name was his real name was Tyson Stewart, but it said Tyson F. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I like. Yeah, I had no clue that they could do that. But that's again another one. How close did you come to busting my getting my cover busted? Their wife looked me up or looked him up. I told him what his name was, and that they found it. And when they found it, it said Tyson F, as in Stone. Wow. Yeah. I mean, do yeah. you think they're doing that because they were skeptical of you, or just? I think they were doing it because like they liked me and just wanted to see my family. Yeah. Yeah. But I think they were doing it for that purpose, but they know had no idea what they were about to discover. <laughs> wow. <laughs> The only thing that saved me was they didn't have his last name spelled out. It just said Tyson F. Wow. And did the wives tell you that, that it was just showing as Tyson S, or did you know? No, that's, that's, what the, that's what the wife told me. Said me oh, okay. It, it said Tyson F. I bet, yeah, you, I, I bet you darn near had a heart attack before she said that. Oh. <laughs> uh, when she said she looked my grand looked me up or looked him up and found him a grandson, I was starting to hit the panic button. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then she said she seen it, said, Yep, we seen it, Tyson S. Said, yeah, that's his name. <laughs> I went, 
which oh he did have myself a big relief. Chop it. That's just amazing. You chose the name early on with the right initial and everything. <laughs> yeah, and I learned a valuable lesson. Don't tell them nothing. Yeah. 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 That's true. Nothing. They they'd even asked me if where I graduated from high school, and I said I never graduated. I ended up not graduating. I quit high school or quit school in the ninth grade. I knew wow. back then that they could look you up if you graduated from a high school. Mm-hmm. So I decided not to even, I just asked if I ever graduated. And I said, never graduated. Wow. Yeah. I didn't have about them looking me up. Yeah, probably the, the safest society, thing for sure. The society, the chances of getting your cover blown are probably, you know, unbelievable odds on how you get your cover blown with today's society and social media and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I I don't see how in today's world, a the poachers could get away with it like they did with cellular cameras and the technology we have now, and then b you're right, I don't see how an undercover agent. I mean, my gosh, that would be, I don't know how you right. do it. Right. It's I look back at some of the things that we did and how stupid it was, but you know the technology they had today, we would have been, they would have been blown out of the water. But you know the timing was right. I guess the good Lord was looking over me, and I was the sword of the Lord, the way I look at it, carrying the, carrying the sword for the good. Yeah. So, and it worked out, and I had a, I had a good, successful career, proud of my 100% conviction, and made a couple of decent friends, and made Claude, I still, you know, to this day, I think Claude's a good fella. And wow. He changed, his, changed the way he lives, and he's got children, I think he's turned into a pretty good person. Wow. Do you, have you spoken to him since? Have I personally spoken to him? No, but I have had friends that I know that have spoken to him. And okay. he feels the same way. That wow. Those hard feelings and that he thought that we were friends. And that he was very devastated when he found out it was me. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine that feeling because it sounds like y'all were pretty tight. And he, that day when it all came down, did he find out the day they served him or searched his house or whatever? He found out. Uh, yeah, he found out that day, but not at the immediate time. He he didn't believe that it was me. Mm. And finally he found it, figured it out. It's my understanding that he took it pretty hard. Didn't leave the house for quite some time. Don't know what was going through his mind, but, uh, yeah, he was, it's my understanding that he was pretty devastated. And I can only yeah. imagine, I can only imagine what he, what he was feeling. I did yeah. have feelings that, and I had feelings and I always liked to call it. The point that I almost warned him. Yeah. Again, that is not having any type of uh, training in anything. Our supervisors should, today they're trained for that kind of stuff, is to look to see if you're getting too close for the, if the uh, the, uh, covert man is getting too close to his target. And if he is, he needs to be pulled out. Avoid that type of thing. But, you know, we were just getting started. Nobody had any knowledge of it or anything. Plus, I never did really share my feelings to the supervisor because uh, I was afraid that maybe he would do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I'm sure if you'd caught him, be like, yeah, I'm considering warning this guy, then that probably would have probably would have ended things. <laughs> yeah, that would have that would have that would have been a red flag. Yeah, that would have definitely been. Uh, yeah. And and I had a great supervisor. Don't get me wrong, I had a great supervisor. I had I had two great supervisors in my career and they both just let me they just both let me run they just turned me loose 
And I always told him I will ever not ever do anything to embarrass the Division of Wildlife, embarrass you, or intentionally embarrass myself. I guess I had enough uh, credibility with them, and they had enough confidence in me. They just let me run the show the best I knew how. Yeah. And I always appreciated that. They saw that. They would cover me on the when the people were getting in questions, you know, about money or some of the, you know, the people, the chief or people higher up would inquire, you know, about what's going on. Hadn't heard nothing or anything, and they wouldn't. They would cover me on that. Quiet everything back down. So had some good bosses. Yeah, I would imagine that just added to the complexity of the entire situation. You know, you're you're pioneering undercover work for the DNR. Yep. And you've got the higher-ups at the DNR questioning things. You know, is this really worth the time, the effort, the energy, the money? And then you, here you are. There's no written protocol or guidelines or anything for what you're actually doing in the field added on top of that. And, man, I, I, I can imagine that was yep. stressful on it, it, just it so many different levels. There was a few times that, you know, I'd got myself into some situations that I had to call my supervisor and he had to run it up the chain of ladder, you know, and let him know what, what has transpired. Um, for example, uh, there was a bunch of guys that one time and we, they robbed the gas station and I, oh, I didn't gosh. know about it until he got in the truck. <laughs> my boss, he like Holy to cow. Out. And then I, I, I like to give him credit for this. His name was, my, my boss was Kevin O'Dell. And I'll give you, I'll tell you exactly how cool he was. We was working them guys up there with the ducks, or not the ducks, but buying fish up there on Lake Erie. Was, uh, I had a buddy of mine that he was a golfer and some of these guys golf. Well, I ain't got no idea how to golf, so I brought him on board so he could maintain a good contact with them, you know, while they golfed. And, uh, we all told him we were single and had girlfriends. Well, they'd be inquiring about where our girlfriends was. So I called my boss up there on the way home there one evening, and I said, "Hey, I said, we got a problem." I told him we need to, we needed a couple women pose as our girlfriend. <laughs> he said, "Well, you know who we got?" And I said, "Yeah, and that ain't gonna work." I said, well, "What about liquor control?" Which I'd worked with some of those girls; they were very good. And he said, "Yeah, but that take time, takes paperwork." And I said, "Well, I got another option for you." <laughs> he said, "Well, why? <laughs> I said, well, we've been running some strip joints." <laughs> I said, how about we get a couple of these strippers good with us? And he said, give me a receipt. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, took him out to dinner, and that was our receipt. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That was the kind of boss I had. He was he was pretty cool. Yeah. He said, yeah, give me a receipt. <laughs> well, yeah. I... I, I don't know for sure, but I've been told, you know, a lot of them were pretty good actresses, so that probably fit. They probably did pretty oh, it well. Fit. Yeah, it, fit. It, it got done what we needed to get done. Yeah. So, and he wanted a receipt, so we took him to dinner, and that was our receipt. So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Mm. Yeah, that, that probably wouldn't fly in today's world, would it? Absolutely not. Uh-huh. Absolutely not. So, <laughs> No, no, they, no. Today's world is a whole different world. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm just fortunate that I was able to participate in what I did during the time frame. And you know, today's world, I don't know how how well I could have got along. Mm-hmm. I've got yeah. a couple other stories, but I need to tell you them off off of 
chip. They were so bad, the chip wouldn't put them in the book. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Cameron? We, we want to wrap it up and do a uh, bonus content? Yeah. yeah, for just us. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we just wanted to to bring a little awareness of of the book and you know get stories from you and learn a little bit more about you know what all transpired in in some of those situations in the book. And so, I, yeah, we got we got all of that tonight. That I'd like, been, I'd like to I'd like to have uh, Chip write another one on just the the close calls. And the humorous things that transpired. Oh, yeah. Ender, I think some of that was, I think people would get some kicks out of that. Oh, I'm, I have I've no got, doubt. I've got stories that I tell my buddies and they just roll laugh. <laughs> it's, 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 I got some good ones. Awesome. That was yeah. the fun part of it, but some of the, you know, there, there was, some, there was some bad times. There was, oh, I'm going to tell you right now, it was, there was some bad times. It wasn't all fun and games. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there had to be a holidays. You don't get to come home, and you, you know you're sleeping or you know in some cockroach-infested trailer. And yeah, it was it was it was not it wasn't all fun and games that people may think it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure. RT, we we appreciate you coming on, and I I truly appreciate the effort you made back in the day and the sacrifices you made for what you accomplished. And you well, sound like it, and I appreciate people like yourself that contact me because I enjoy telling the stories now. When I first first retired, I didn't even want to talk about it. I didn't want to even mess with it. I didn't want to even bring it up anymore. And, and if you ever get to the end of my book, you'll understand why. Because mm. yeah. it brought back some bad memories. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. If you ever get into the story, into the story chapter about the ducks, I think the chapter, I think, I don't remember what that name, Take em, Operation Take em, you'll yep. understand why. Okay, I'm almost there. Well, I think that was one of the more entertaining, unique stories we've had on this show. Not that the first part of the interview wasn't good, but that entire part of the interview where it's just story after story after story Mm -hmm. is just, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I mean, can you imagine the stories that he withheld, you know, from the book and from the interview? I, I can't, you know, and I did want to make sure when we got to kind of a more gruesome part of that with how people are treating animals that we gave a fair warning to anybody that you know doesn't want to hear that because i understand that so had that little blurb in there yeah and i'm glad you did that but you know the truth of the matter is that's why what he did then and why the game wardens that are doing what they're doing now is so important yeah, because there's people like that. So it, it, yeah, you know that's why we left it in there. Overall, it, it gives context in that point. But you know, if somebody doesn't want to hear it, then no need to hear it. You got a warning. But but yeah, I mean you're right. And then to think of the landowners, you know, who working all year long on their properties and they're excited for all the turkeys they've been seeing. Can't wait to get out there and hunt them and show up open today. There's nothing. Yeah. You know, because those guys have been in there, killed, sounds like every gobbler, Jake, and him that came in <laughs> anywhere near him. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it makes you realize what he was doing is a lot bigger than just bringing down some guys that are out, 
you know, popping a couple turkeys or whatever. It, it was much bigger than that. Yeah. These were these were true criminals, you know, and and had no conscience with animals. Yeah. So. Yeah. No doubt. It, it was a good interview, you know, and he sacrificed a lot. We talked about that with him. That man sacrificed a lot to bring these people down. Yeah. And so, you know, and I, I mentioned it last week and you guys could really hear it, you know, because we we got on that topic in this part of the interview. But, you know, hearing his excitement in talking about bringing the rings down, especially the people that he didn't like. Yeah. Who yeah. he had to bring down. He 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 enjoyed that part of, of being undercover bringing down the people that just disgusted him, that were horrible human beings. But you can hear him go from that level of excitement to talking about the sacrifices that he made and how much more somber his voice is. And it's eye-opening, man. I mean, to me, that was like, that was really what drove it home for me as to what all this guy did. Yeah. You know, for the job he had at the time. Living and being in trailers and rat infested hotels. And I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, you hear this vigilante type story and kind of hero type, like it, it sounds exciting and exhilarating and adrenaline pumping. And you'd kind of gloss over the fact that of what he's really doing. <laughs> yeah. And the sacrifices he had to make from his own family. And yeah, he's right. I finished reading the book and, you know, he mentioned why he had to stop. And it actually was his, he started having heart issues from, as the doctors told him, he was having so much adrenaline for so many years that his heart was messing up on him. So it, mm-hmm. he essentially had to quit. Yeah. It was, interesting. it's interesting. So highly yeah. recommend getting the book. I probably should put that in the intro again, but the the book by him and chip gross so i think he just kind of told the stories to chip gross who then put them on paper it is called poachers were my prey and you can get that on amazon you can just type in poachers were my prey on google and it'll pull up plenty of options by chip gross or it's by rt stewart as told by chip gross and highly highly recommend that book it's got tons more stories that we did not cover in this interview but it's it's just all over the place. He brought down fishing rings, duck hunters, deer hunters, coon hunters, turkey hunters, people selling fish, people, you know, processing game. Anyway, it's just all over the place. So it's pretty interesting. It's a good book. I would highly recommend it. If you enjoyed these interviews, go pick up a copy of that from R.T. Stewart and Chip Gross. That is also a good favor of the week. Boom. There you go. Go get you a copy of the book. And if you find Chip Gross's contact or R.T. Stewart's contact, which is harder to come by, but Chip Gross has it on his website where he's selling the book. Shoot him an email after you buy the book or ask him if you could buy a signed copy of the book and let him know you heard about it on the Turkey Hunter podcast. We'd appreciate that. Very much so. Yeah. So awesome. Good deal, guys. Thank y'all for listening. I hope y'all enjoyed this one. We'll keep pumping out good guests. Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Amen to that. All right. Let's wrap it up. Wrap it on up.
Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.